Uh, hey, we're starting today a new series for about an eight-week series in First Peter. So we're going to spend some time there, and it's amazing how you, you open up books of the Bible at different periods of time. I know even like personally, if you've read certain verses or certain passages at a certain time and they just hit you different or hit you, you know, a certain way, but I, I feel like First Peter is a, an extremely relevant book for us, and I think God's going to really speak to us through it because there's a lot of um, similarities, a lot of things that we can glean from it uh, that are unique to our time period uh, today that are, that are also the same that they dealt with back, back when it was written. So I'm, I'm excited, and going through it has been great and challenging, and I'm just praying that, that this is going to be the next you know, eight weeks in these sermons, and even this morning will be something that brings hope and that's encouraging and that is, is something that we can really uh, draw strength from. So the overall theme, is, as you kind of see from the title, is the hope in a hostile world. And so we're looking at that you know, Jesus brings hope, in a hostile world. So, hey, we have a hostile world, I think, sometimes. So it's great. It'll be super relevant. But before we dive in, I want to look at the background so it'll help us understand kind of why Peter's writing, who he's writing to, when he's writing to, to kind of get as much as we can out of it. So uh, first off, the date. Uh, Peter wrote this book. These scholars place it between 58 and 62 AD. And, and that, that may or may not mean, mean much, but there is some significance there, and we'll, we'll unpack it a little bit, um, but, but it's, uh, it's, it's important to, to, to know that date and that time period, historically speaking, because there's some relevance that we're going to actually uh, talk about in just a sec, uh, but he's, he's, he's writing to his audience now, his audience specifically is to Christians, to, to Gentiles, in other words, they're not, they're not the Jews, but they're Gentiles, so people who you know uh, are, are non-Jewish, but then put their faith in Jesus. So he's talking to those people, but not just those people; those people who have been scattered, who have been who have been uh, you know spread out, who have been pushed out of maybe where they normally are in specifically Asia Minor, which is. Uh, modern-day Turkey. So if you think of modern-day Turkey, is full of all these provinces with, with there's Christians there that have all been just kind of pushed out and all been scattered, and they're not, they're not the, the, the Jews, but they are people who have accepted Jesus, and also those type of people are being persecuted at the same time. At the same time. So you got, you got folks that are displaced. You got, you got the, the folks that are being uh, persecuted, being treated poorly, and you got this group kind of scattered out through all what is, what is known as, as Turkey, and so Peter is writing to this specific people. Now, here's why I, I bring up that date, and I bring up those people, because historically speaking, in, in uh, Rome, the great fire in Rome was in, was in 64 AD. So 64 AD marked the beginning of an intense Christian persecution. That's when you start reading about the, the, the scholars called the Neronian uh, persecution, Nero, um, not neurotic, but Nero, he, uh, which has his roots there probably, ha- started killing Christians, blaming the fire on them. And so that's when things get turned up because already the Christians had been a targeted people, but now there was open season just to straight up kill them, and people did not seem to care all that much. So Things hadn't got to that point yet. We know that. So that's why we say in 64, that's when things got real intense for Christians. So we're not seeing the, the killings or the martyrings yet. We're just working our way there. That's when the book gets written, or the, or the letter, I should say, gets written is in that time period. So you can only imagine if, you're, if, if society at large is that close to being okay 
with Christians being killed that there has to be a lead up that is unpleasant, right? Not being killed, but it must be unpleasant for Christians to be a part of if they're viewed at like that in that society. And so, so that's kind of a, a backdrop. Now here's some major themes that we're gonna actually cover today because the opening of First Peter actually covers thematically much of the whole book. And so the three themes that we are gonna pull out today, but also revisiting kind of over and over throughout, the week, throughout the, our, our time here is one, that we're called to a living hope in Jesus. So hope is all, everywhere, hope in Jesus. We're called to the living hope. It's, it's, it's a very Jesus hope-centered book. We're gonna run to that theme over and over. The second is finding joy in our suffering. Finding joy, so even though we suffer, we can find joy in it. Not joy because of suffering, but we can experience joy in the suffering. And so he's, Peter's clearly writing to people who are going through some hard stuff, and he's saying we can still find joy in that. And then the third theme that we run into is a what's almost like a future hope. So it's, it's uh, uh, setting our hope of homecoming in heaven. So, and I, and I say it that way to say it, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, there's a lot of future looking to heaven, finding hope in our eternal security, being heaven being our home, not here. We're going to unpack that a, a, a little bit, but there's that that constant theme that comes around. So we 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 run to Jesus as our hope, that uh, joy through suffering, and we need to suffer well for Jesus, and then and then that future and our hope is in in heaven. So we run to these themes kind of circulate throughout, and so. But this morning we're we're gonna we're gonna hit them all because they're all in verses one through twelve. They're all verses 1 through 12. And so we're going to kind of, we're going to read some verses, then we're going to talk about the verses, then we're going to read some verses, talk about them. We're going to kind of just walk through it and see how it relates to us and, and try and hopefully pull out all the good things that God has packed in there. So first thing that I want to, to us to get out of today is this, and we'll, we'll explain, is that holding on to Jesus means you must let go of the world. If you want to hold on to Jesus, we must let go of the world of the world. And here's, here's, here's where we get that. First Peter 1, if you're following along, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 here. I'm reading out of the uh, English Standard Version. Yours will say a couple words different, which we'll unpack, but here's what it says. Verse 1, to the elect, strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, that's modern-day Turkey is where those are all located, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience in Jesus Christ and sprinkling of his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Okay, so that, there's a, two verses and there's so much in there. First, I want to take note of this. At the very beginning, to God's elect, strangers in this world. So when he references God's elect, he means those who are Christians, those who have put their faith in Jesus. I'm talking to you. I'm writing to you. Strangers in this world. Your version, depending on which one you have, it may say, use words like, you know, aliens. Like you're an alien in this world. You're a foreigner in this world, a sojourner. You know, your um, uh, bottom line is, is he's talking to people who don't belong here. People who have been dispersed. Some of the some of the words there, dispersia, or, or uh, references the, the idea that you've been, you've been scattered out, and this place is not your true home. In fact, the Greek context there's allusions of it is it is one who is without lawful protection. Is is a, a nuance to that word. So in other words, you, you're you're not a citizen, so you don't have necessarily the rights legally speaking 
as people who live in this area and, and, and are of, of that particular. So, so he's saying, Peter's acknowledging, you, you don't belong here. You are strangers in this strange world. I don't know if, you, if any of you have been and have had the chance to travel much. I've done a little bit, been able to have the opportunity to go overseas for missions. But if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you just, you know, so far from so much different than where home is, you look around and just think like, huh, I, I don't belong here. I am very, very different. Uh, this is different than what I'm used to. I, I, there's a couple times where I've traveled. One, uh, when we visited a missionaries that, that were here over in Papua New Guinea, which is not a place where you get many get to often, especially in the interior of it. And, and I remember looking around at one point thinking, I'm just looking, I'm like, okay, I don't look like anybody. You know, I, I, don't, I don't sound like anybody. I don't, I, you know, I don't talk like anybody. I'm like, there's no big gray beards and, and, and it, just, it just wasn't, it wasn't there. Um, and, and I did, it was so, I'm like, I, it was a culture that was so, like, just, just different to me. And so many different dialects and so many different cultural subtleties. It was just it, a, a strange feeling. It was, it was, there's things that it was, were great. I loved about it. And there were, people were, were very nice. There's just something, that was, it just wasn't, it wasn't home. I never felt comfortable because I didn't understand the subtleties of culture. I didn't understand why they did certain things or why, why was this that way or the, it, any of that stuff. They had phenomenal coffee. I loved that. That was like some of the best coffee ever was, was, was there. But there's, so it's not that it wasn't enjoyable, but I just remember getting that feeling of just being completely displaced and just completely like, this is not like, like, you know, one of these things is not like the other. He's put on Sesame Street. Like I clearly was not like, you know, anybody there. And it was enjoyable, but just that, that unsettling feeling that, that you have, you know, there's, there's nothing quite like your own bed. You know, there's nothing quite like maybe your own, your own shower. It's not, a great shower, but, but I like my shower, you know? Um, there's just nothing quite like the comforts that we, that, that maybe like we have at home and we're just used to or familiar with. It just feels, sometimes it, it feels right. And when you're away and when you're out and when you're, you're, you're gone, something just doesn't feel like home. And, and so when, when I hear Peter address, you know, strangers in this world, there is that feeling, he's, he's saying, he's acknowledging the fact that you all probably don't feel comfortable where you're at because you, there's something different about you. And, and I don't know how you, how you guys feel, but today I just feel more and more as the years go by, less and less, like I have less and less common with the world because of my faith in Jesus. I feel like uh, the decisions that we make, decisions that me and my family make, are continually further from what would necessarily be the social norm. And we're not, you know, crazy, you know, people doing stuff super extreme. I'm just trying to like live biblically. I'm just trying to live by what the Bible says, but I just feel like I have less and less in common with this world and feel more and more like people misunderstand where I'm, I'm coming from as, as a Christian. And that, that you know, the love gets, gets called hate and then truth gets called, uh, you know, f- false. And f- there's just, there's a disconnect where I'm, I'm feeling exceedingly more and more misunderstood. And, and I don't think it's just like me, like I'm somehow some unique figure. I just think if, if you're living 
as a Christian in this world, there's a tension that's growing. And it, there's a tension that is there, and I'm not saying it's, it's necessarily bad. I'm just saying that if, if you're going to live by a biblical standard, that the, the you know, the, the goalpost is changing for what's, what's acceptable. And, and a lot of biblical truth and living God's way is not widely accepted as the way that everybody should live. And so I, I feel a little bit of that here. I feel, I, I feel that. And when, when Peter is, is talking to these folks, he's acknowledged, he's, he's just, he's, he's saying, you know, the quiet part out loud. I get it, guys. You, you're, not, you're not feeling here. And, and it's because, it's because that they have followed Jesus and, and the game has changed. When you accept Jesus, things change. Things that we think are solutions are, are maybe no longer solutions. Sometimes we get, we get sideways hung up on trying to have earthly solutions to, to heavenly issues. We, we, we try, we, we, sin is the core issue, but we try and remedy it with policies. And we try to, uh, you know, we try and govern our way into people's hearts. And, and we, try to, we try to somehow create a, a, a governmental system that can facilitate the Bible. And are there sometimes when that when when you know things can get close, but let's be let's be real about it. Heavenly problems need heavenly solutions. And when 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 we have a sin issue, we need someone that can handle take care of that sin. And, and the only one that could do that is Jesus. But we get caught up in these in these side with sideways energy. I, I think more people probably know our party affiliation when it comes to politics than they do our, our spiritual affiliation. I think we're more bold to, to show a flag or, or to, you know, take a hard stand on, uh, you know, uh, uh, putting a piece of paper over our mouth or something like that than we are with, you know, people putting their faith in Jesus. You know, and I'm not taking a side here. I'm just saying I, I think we get caught up in that. I think we get caught up in, and I'm, you know, I, I tend to have more emotion sometimes towards a, a political issue than I would a sin issue. And that's not good. It's not good. I'm getting sideways because I, I need to be reminded that this world is not my home. I'm a foreigner here. My, my home is in heaven because I put my faith in Jesus. So I need, to, I need to put that. That's the lens in which I should have in front of me at all times. You know, the, the, the typical uh, pursuit of you know, power and prestige and the pleasures of, of this world are, are, are nothing and are, are pale in comparison to, to what God has for us. You'll notice it in verse two at the very end there, Paul says, Paul, Paul, or not Paul, uh, Peter says, uh, you know, he preps this, you're strangers in this world, all this, and then his, his remedy is like, grace and peace in abundance to you. Did you catch that at the end? Grace and peace. So in other words, living as a foreigner in this land, knowing that heavens are home, Peter's saying that you all need grace and you all need peace. And, and I think that's good. We need those things. We need that grace that comes from God, but we need to be showing more grace. We have that peace that comes from God, that confidence that comes in knowing him and knowing no one can take this away, knowing that our, our treasure in heaven, we'll get to that in a sec, but there's that peace that comes from just knowing God's got me no matter what this world throws at me, no matter the economy goes up or down, the, you know, markets go, go you know, up or down, whatever happens, like God's got me still, and this is not my home. So I want, to look, I want to keep going because he gets some good stuff here. The next thing I want us to get is this, that earthly treasures are temporary, but the gift of God lasts forever. Earthly treasures are temporary, but the gift of God lasts forever. 
verse, verses three and four say this. Peter continues on. He gets, this is where he gets poetic. So he has his first two verses that are just kind of an, an address, set the table. Now he has a, a, what is a one sentence, I think it goes all the way to 12, where it's kind of a poetic uh, nature. So he, Peter just, he, he goes for it here. And he says, okay, in, but in a poetic way, in the original language, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So through, through our faith in Jesus, the Bible says that we are born again. We are born a second time. We have a second, a second, uh, almost like a second chance. Not, not second chance is the right word, but we, but we are we are made new. We we have we we are we have a clean slate to where when you're born again, that means things are different. Now we're still we still have the same earthly family. We still you know the same place as the relationships. However, we belong to a new family. We added. We belong to God's family now, and there's and there's different when you're when you're uh, when you're reborn, and when you have this 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 born again mentality that things should change. Now your hope has changed from earthly to heavenly. So we, we, we now, when we're reborn, we now see that hope comes f- from Jesus, and that's, that's how we live our lives, is but the hope that's in Jesus, because I've been born again into his family, because I've recognized God's sacrifice. And, when, and what, what, what Peter says here is that, is that uh, you know, we, we, we cling on to, to these earthly treasures that, that fade and that, and, that, and that pass away. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but everything you own is going to fade. Everything's going to wear out. In fact, it may be wearing out right now. You may have put some clothes on this morning and be like, oh, there's a hole. Or, oh, there's a string. I mean, we buy things that are made to fade. You know when they say they should last, you know, uh, this has a, you know, a, a 10 year, 10 year warranty and, and it goes bad on like, you know, year 10 and two days and it's, it's done. Like people design things to fade, but everything we have here, no matter what high tech, whatever you have, that will fade. All your clothes will fade. All your, your cars will, I mean, everything. So, so why do we hold on to this stuff so tight knowing it's not going to last? Peter's reminding the scattered Christians that, that what you have, what you put your faith in, it is, it is imperishable, it is, it is undefiled, it is unfading, the, the, what God has given you, the gift that he has given you cannot be touched. It is in heaven, it is waiting, and it is the best gift that will not fade, it will not devalue, it will not go away. There's, there's, there's nothing that can happen to that gift. It, it, it's not gonna go anywhere. It, it's gonna stay as great as it is. As great as it, 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 it will stay there, and and we'll be able to experience that as as a, as a Christian. You put your faith in Jesus, and and when we die, we, we go to heaven with Him, and and that cannot be taken away. We get to experience life with Him. One, one of my one of my daughters had a conversation with her, and she 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 comes down right before bed, which is never a good sign because you know just young girls get emotional at, at bed. So you know, eleven year olds are like, I'm like, okay, what's 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 got you scared this time, you know? And, it's, and she's, like, she's like, Dad, I'm, I'm really freaked out. I'm like, oh, okay, what, what are you scared of, thinking you watched a show or something like that that you weren't? She's like, heaven, heaven freaks me out. I was like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. I was like, okay, well, you know, <laughs> what, what about it, you know, 
you know, freaks you out. And, she, and, and we, we talked for a while, and she, just, she unpacked the idea of, like, just forever. She's like, what am I going to do? Am I going to get bored? Am I going to, like, you know, like, just sit around, do nothing? Like, that's, that's weird. You know, that's weird. And, like, just her trying to, like, process what this whole, like, forever thing was. She's like, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I want to be there forever. And you know, I'm like, well, it's, like, the best place forever. When she wants, like, you know, never end. So we, we kind of talked about it a little bit. But just that, that question kind of, like, has, has stuck with me a little bit as far as, you know, just you know, the, the understanding and, and what, what's kind of, the, when processing through it, I think the more you experience God here on earth, the more you see how amazing he is and, and, and the good things that he's done, how creative he is, how, how, uh, he's, he, how much he's given us, I, I just think that the, the more I see that, the more amazing I discover that God is. And I think when we're, when we're in heaven, we, I, I, don't, I don't think we're ever gonna get tired of seeing how amazing God is because I don't know if we're just gonna know instantly how great he is. I think it's gonna be a discovery process where the more time we spend, the, the, the more amazing we understand about him. And so I think the more we see God, the more we see how amazing God is and the more excited I get about being in heaven to where we're gonna be able to see just for, for forever, a place there's no fighting, there's no sin, there's no there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no there's no bickering, there's none of this stuff, and and it's exciting. And you know we need to be reminded of that. The the people people are trying to they need to be reminded of that because that's our future. It's not this isn't it. This isn't as good as it gets here on earth. Thank God, because <laughs> my cars are wearing out quick, right? No, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, we get so focused on the here and now that we lose sight of the forever. We lose sight of, of, of what God has given us, that gift through Jesus Christ that we can have a relationship with him and we can be with him and we can focus on that which lasts forever. So we have to hold things here on earth lightly and focus on what is eternal. Next thing I want us to get is this, that, that our trials solidify our faith because we can experience more of God's mercy. See, tri- trials aren't fun. Trials aren't great. It's not that, that, that we, we relish in the trial itself, but what God, said, but what, what, what God says is that through this trial, we can, we can find joy, and we can grow and experience more of God's mercy. Let's, let's unpack how, just how Peter addresses that in verse 6. He writes that in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, this more precious than gold that perishes, though it uh, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not, do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Right at the top there, verse six, I want to point out that he says that for a little while. Acknowledging you, you're, you're in these trials where the people around you disdain you the people that are around you, talking to the Christians in, in that time, people don't want to be around you. There, was, there were social pressures 
that, that a lot of scholars will talk about that if you, if you were a Christian and someone found out that one of their friends was a friend of a Christian or one of their friends associated with a Christian, that they would reject that friend because that friend associated with a Christian. They would, they would not get the same opportunities to work. They would not get the same standings in, in, um, in society. They, would not, they, they, would, they, they were not esteemed. They were pushed out. They were scattered. They hadn't started the, the persecution in light of the killings and, the, and that, that sort of thing, but they had started the social, the, the like societal rejection of Christians. They had started already pushing people out and, and saying that, that, that we don't even want you around. We don't like what you stand for. We don't want anything to do with it. You're like, we're done with you. So Peter's saying, okay, for, you're going to face these trials and it, it's not good. What you're, it, it's not good. It's not pleasant. What, what you're showing is not good, but it is temporary. It will pass. This, this will pass. And, and that, that should bring us comfort as well. Because I know some of you are, are, are in it right now. Like if, you had to, if, if, if we were to sit down and talk, you could probably share a really difficult situation that you're in the midst of. And, and there's no way to... to you know, there's no way to necessarily help sometimes. It just, it is what it is. And you're just in it. And it hurts and you feel it. And you're, and it's, you're frustrated and you're, you're hurting. And, and I, I can't help but think that, that you need to hear when Peter writes that while now for a little time, well, you may suffer grief at all kinds of trials, like God is still with you and that you still have hope in Jesus, that you can still get through this thing because the, the God of the heavens, the, God, the creator God still loves you and, and he has a spot for you in heaven. So even though you're going through it, God still loves you and you still can have hope in that. You can still have hope in that. And I thought, I th I thought what's interesting too is it says, he also said that, that for a little while you may have had to suffer. So it's not necessarily a prerequisite to go through suffering if you're following Christ. It's not, it's not, you don't have to, but if you do, if you are facing it, you could still lean on God and have hope through that. I think of those who, who uh, have gone through hard times. I, I, I love being able to sit down with people who have gone through some of the most difficult times in their lives and hearing them on, on the other side of it hearing them after they've gone through it and just what that was like going through. I've, I've never faced uh, some, a lot of things that, that some have, have, have gone through and, and the struggle that have gone through, but talking to someone who's gone through it on the other side of it, and you see, they, they say, well, yeah, it was, it was terrible. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I would prefer have, had not to have gone through it, but, but you know what? God was with me. Uh, and, and even though I, I had my doubts, I, I, I knew my hope was in God, and I, and I still... I stuck through it. And then the, the, the hope that they can communicate to those who are going through it is amazing. That they can say, hey, I, I've gone through this time. Like, you know, take heart. You, you can get through. God is still with you. And I just think that that's such an amazing way about how God uses people's trials that they've gone through. Some of those horrific things he's brought them through in order to then pour into other people who are going through it. As, as a side note, if, I just, I, if you've gone, if you're in it right now, if you're just going through something, you know, that, that's, I, I want you to be praying that God would put someone in your life that could encourage you. 
And then if you've gone through some major trials and you're on, on the other side of it and you can you see God through the whole, can you pray that God would put people in your life that you could encourage? Because I feel like it's important that we need to be communicating what God's done to others. And we need to be encouraging those who are going through it with the comfort that we then received as, as we went through it as well. But, but, but also what, what's interesting is, is after this refining process, we, we read about that the, the end of that, we see praise and glory and honor come through that. In other words, in other words we, go, we go through this and we, our, our faith is refined and the result of that is praise and glory and our God is, given, is, is, is esteemed, God is glorified because he was with us and brought us through those times. I, I, I want to finish in verse 10 here. I'm going to go through the end of this, and then we've got some, some stuff we can, we can take with us. Verse 10 says this, and this is when we kind of take, go look into the future stuff as well. We, we kind of run into that in, in this section. It says this, okay, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or what time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. So they were trying to figure out when this is that God has spoken, the prophets were. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that they have now been announced to you through, whose, uh, through who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. What, what an interesting passage. He's, he, what, what he's done is, he's, remember, he's speaking to Gentiles. He's speaking to people who aren't a part of the Jewish history, who've had that long lineage, where they say, you know, I'm a descendant of Abraham, and I'm serving, you know, I, like they have that, that, that lineage where they're proud of. He's saying, he's saying, he's now associating them with the prophets of the Old Testament. He's now saying, he's associating them with, with the prophets, saying that you guys, this is your story. This is the, we are a, they are a part of, of, of your legacy as, as well now. You are a part of this. And, and what's great is he, he's very inclusive with that because, because they're, they're being rejected by society, but they're being brought into God's family in an even more inclusive way. Not even the prophets knew how this whole Messiah thing was going to turn out. Not turn out, but how it was going to play out. They were, they were, they were, God used them, and God spoke to him, and God, God uh, um, would, would use them to communicate. However, they weren't quite sure how it all was going to work out, but, but it all was for them. But what the prophets were prophesying about, these guys get to experience, which is Jesus Christ, which is his resurrection. You and I get to experience it as well. And it's exciting, and it's, it's encouraging, and it's uplifting to think that we are now a part of the story that, that the prophets were talking about. We now can experience what we call the gospel today. Gospel being the good news of Jesus. We can experience what was the, the good news of Jesus. And so what I, what, what, what I want to, I have kind of a, a the application side of this, I really want us to unpack is, is this. I'm going to kind of, we have a, a, the next thing I want you guys to get is this. And this is kind of the point for, for today and kind of summaries that I can make it through today because of the hope that comes from faith in Jesus. So I can make it through today because of the hope that comes from our faith in Jesus. I was, I was reminded as I was preparing an old, an old hymn uh, turned, turned country western song um, written in ni 1931 
by all the by all the AP Carter. I had to look that up. I don't know who it was, but uh, he wrote a song in, in 1931, and, and this guy ended up being country songwriters Hall of Fame, whatever that means. But um, he 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 wrote this song, and you and you may know it. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. But uh, but it's it's just a it's a it's you know based it's a scriptural based and and, and it resonates. It resonated with me. It says this. It says that uh, this world is not my home, that I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. This is it. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Like once you, once you experience the forgiveness and the grace that, that Jesus offers, there's just something that's lacking in this world. There's something that can't quite measure up in this world. As much as this world we think can offer us, as much as we try and gather, as much as we try and gain, as much as we try and, try and collect in this world, nothing compares to the, to the grace and the mercy that, that God gives and, and subsequently the, the, the gift of, of forgiveness and our, our, our time in heaven with God, our treasures and life, nothing compares to that. And so we should feel like, like I, I can't feel like this is, this is my home anymore. For the Christian, this, we, we are here, and, and we're going to talk about later on in First Peter the, the things that we need to do while we're still here, but, but we have to realize something, that this isn't, this isn't it. This is not as good as it gets. This is not as good as it gets. There's a couple things that I really I want to encourage you with. The, the, the Christian this morning, I want to encourage you to a couple things. I want, I, I want to challenge you, if, 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 if you're a Christian you're, and you're feeling kind of that restlessness here, but, but uh, maybe you need to refocus. Maybe this morning you need to refocus your heart and your mind on Jesus. That as strangers in this world, that we, we, this is not our home, but we can get distracted by the things of this world. And we can elevate the things that we think are from this world that are important, but, but, they're, but they're not if we look on it as it relates to heaven, as it relates to God, and as it relates to eternal life with him. We get caught up in fights and battles and, and you know, the, the, the politics and the bickering and our own pride and our own you know, gaining of wealth we get wrapped up in. And that causes us to lose sight of, of what God would have for us. It causes us to lose sight of the fact that this is not my home, that heaven is. There's a danger again caught in fighting the battles of this world. So I want to encourage you, if you need to refocus this morning, this is, a, this, is, this is a refocus. And then I want to also encourage those who are going through it right now to, to, to rest in Jesus. The, the trials and the, the, the suffering that you may be going through right now, I want to encourage you to, to rest in Jesus. And what, what I mean by that is, is to know that he's got you. To, you put your, your faith in Jesus and believe, believe in him and the, the comfort and the peace that, can, that comes from that, we need to be reminded of. And then I'm gonna, I, I, wanna, I wanna kind of finish with, with going back to verse one and two of, of, this, of this chapter. It says this, I'm, I'm gonna read it again. It says, to the elect, so to those who, who, who've, put their faith in Jesus, who, who are the strangers in this world, scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience in Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. 
we need God's grace, don't we? We need to remember that God's grace was shown for us and was given to us. We need to remember that. And then we need to also be showing God's love and his, his grace and mercy to others as well. And then, and then that peace that comes in abundance. There is a confidence that should come with knowing that God's got us. There's a confidence that should come and we have a peace. I am not afraid. I don't need to live my life in fear because I have a peace and a confidence that God has got me no matter what this world has for me. I have my inheritance in heaven. This world's not my home. I'm just passing through that I should have a peace and a comfort that, that should exist in my life and be evident to all that God's got me. And we then should be, should be encouraging others in that same way. The, the, the conclusion of today is this. Here, here's, where, here's where I want to leave it. I want to be very clear about where our hope is. Our hope is not in our systems, in our government, in our, in our medical discoveries, in our finances. Our hope is in, our, in none of those things. Our hope comes from Jesus. It comes from Jesus' forgiveness of our sins. It comes from our perspective on eternal life through that forgiveness and then our adoption into his family. Worship team is going to come out as, as we close, and I want to give an opportunity. Um, if you have not put your faith in Jesus, and your hopes have been in this world, and your, 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 um, your security lies in what this world has to offer, if, if that's been you, I have ventured to guess it, it's not working out well. Because Heavenly problems need heavenly decisions. We can't solve this problem on our own. We need someone else. We need Jesus. We need the forgiveness that comes from Jesus. We need that saving grace that comes from Jesus. There's a, there, there's a prayer that I'll put up on the screen. Sometimes we call it the sinner's prayer, but let's be real. Every prayer I pray is the sinner's prayer. <laughs> but if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, we, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's a prayer up there that, that is just, it's simple. And when you, when you accept Jesus in heart, you're, you're just doing a few things. You're acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a savior. You're, you're acknowledging that, that uh, Jesus is the answer to that, and he's the only way that you can get there, and that you're going to choose to follow him. And I have some verses down there so if you, that are just, if, if you as, take a picture of that on, on your phone, and then as you go home, if, you're, if you want to put your faith in, in Jesus, just read through those. They take you through what we call kind of the plan of salvation. But if you haven't prayed this prayer, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, I want you to put your hope in something bigger than this world. Not, not, not for my sake, but so you can have a foundation where that no one, no one, no one can, can mess with, nobody can, can take it away. It's something that, that, that no matter what happens to you in this world, that will never leave you. And it's a forgiveness that, that God offers. And so... Um, we're going to pray, and I'm going to give an opportunity for you uh, to, if, if you want to pray this prayer, to do so. Would you stand with me while we, while we close in prayer? And if, if uh, I'm going to read this, this verse, before, I'm going to read this, this, this prayer, and if you want to give your life to Jesus, just silently along, just read with me. Just, you know, on your own, I want, I want this to be something that, that if, if, you, if you want, just, just read it with me, and then, then, I'll, then I'll close in prayer afterwards. 
prayer says, Dear God, I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Even though I don't have all the answers today, I choose to follow you. My faith and hope are in you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I, I pray that for, for any who have prayed that prayer, who, who have read not just the words on, on the screen there, Lord, but really have, have taken those concepts and, and said, you know what, I, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I do need that forgiveness that can only come from Jesus. Lord, I, I pray that you would surround them and put people into their life who would, um, who would help them to grow in their walk with you, that you would, you would show that hope that they have through you. With, with eyes still closed, if you, if you prayed that prayer, if you don't want to slip your hand up so I can be praying for you, no one's looking around, just slip that hand up and say, you know, I, I want prayer as I start this new, this journey. Raise your hand, I'll, I want to just pray for you. That's great. Let me pray for, for, for you all. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for those hearts that, were, that, that you've touched. God, that your word speaks so true and, and so um, relevant to our lives. Lord, those individuals who read that prayer, prayed that prayer, God, that you would, you would bring people in our life to help them grow. Lord, that, that you would show your amazing grace, then the forgiveness that you offer, God, there, there, there may have been more, Lord, but I counted five hands of, those were five people who, who have their inheritance with you, Lord, and that is, that is amazing, and, and we thank you and glorify you for that, Lord. Lord, we love you, and we pray that as strangers in this world, God, you will help us shine our lights as bright as we can here, but God, remind us that our hope is not in what is here on earth, Lord, our hope is in you, and may we never forget that. We ask this all in your son's name. Amen.